0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's a lovely Thursday, isn't it? Uh, thank you so much for joining us for Daily Devotions to Redeeming Life. Uh, today, I guess I'm your host, if that's what you want to call it, um, Dan, a teaching pastor here at Redeeming Life. And uh, it's just uh, so good to see your bright and smiling faces. And thank you for just taking the time for us to be able to read the Bible together, hear what it says, and learn and grow as the people of God. And today, as we're, we're following the... Uh, Redeeming Life reading plan, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and focusing on verses, I believe, let me make sure I get this right, yes, 31 through 58. And right now, uh, we're in the thick of an actually very large chapter, chapter 30, or chapter 13, excuse me, which has oftentimes been called the Parable Discourse. Why? Because even though there's little bits of narrative that string the big pieces together, it really is just all about parables, and uh, it's a concentrated dose of, of parables that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And I wanted to, before we jump into the the particular texts that we're going to be looking at today, uh, which is really only going to be two verses, uh, where which is interesting to me how parables can be uh, very long very expansive and then other parables can be almost nothing more than just a few lines so they're actually very flexible in the way you can read a parable find a parable Uh, but oftentimes it seems as though when it comes to to trying to to understand what the word of god is saying that reading something like a parable is actually among the most difficult and uh, interestingly enough, as we discovered yesterday, there's, uh, there's a divine purpose behind the way in which God communicates and reveals himself through parables. And I wanted to share with you at least a few things that I know have helped me uh, a good ways through not just reading through the parables, interpreting them, understanding them, but also uh, hearing God's word through them. And one of the, the the first things is to recognize is that uh we as Western English speakers are not accustomed to parables, whereas most of the ancient world, in you know, more Eastern cultures use parables and proverbs all the time. And uh we typically like things uh we like propositional statements, uh statements that just tell it like it is kind of thing. And parables in the words of James Carey, uh, they, they have a way of messing with your head, uh, but they also have a way, in his words, of holding up a mirror to yourself uh, so that you can see things that are stuck in your teeth that have been there for a long time and nobody's told you anything. So that uh, what he means by that, he says that how, how, as you're trying to interpret a parable, that it forces you to have to reflect inward to think about your your own heart, your own thinking, your own conditions. It forces you to ruminate and meditate and mull over things in a way that you wouldn't if it wasn't a parable. In that sense, um, that parables are actually uh, very instructive, very useful in getting your mind to operate on a whole new level. So that's one thing. But the other thing about parables is to remember that uh, like a good joke, the force of the parable is caught, not taught. In other words, uh, even though parables do teach certain things, in order to to get what's being said, you have to you have to catch the meaning at the very end, as it were. And if you don't really catch it, then it's the 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 parable's not working in the way that that it was intended to work. And to be sure, uh, I think you would actually probably you'll understand this that you know have you ever been told a joke and you're like ah i don't get it and then out of the blue 3 a.m something jolts you up in the middle of the night and you're like oh i get it sometimes the meaning of the parables arrive that way too uh and uh so that it's it it it, it arrives later sometimes much later than what it is you anticipated but what when you say in your head that you have that Eureka moment. You know what Eureka means? Eureka means, I found it. Uh, we love those Eureka moments when the light bulb comes on, you're like, oh, now I get it. And what's interesting about that is that the it's those Eureka moments that really do have a way of, of touching the person deeply in a way that propositional statements just don't. So that... Um, that if you want to uh, 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 relay something valuable in a lasting way, you do so through stories, you do so through parables, you use uh, things uh, that, that people have in real life experiences, and you hold on to those things and say, yes, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's like this, so that every time you see that thing, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I get it. Um, I have a, a, a realistic, tactile, uh, uh, intimate connection or understanding that, that touches me deeply in a way that it wouldn't have if it was just a propositional statement. And so Jesus, he's masterful in the way that he teaches these parables. And um, And they're also, I mean, again, to reiterate a previous point, they're the sort of thing that you... You want to reflect on and reflect on deeply. It it prompts you or sort of deflects the the reader to fall back and to um, meditate inwardly to say, here's the meaning of the parable. Now, how does it apply to me? With that in mind, let's uh, jump into the, the parable discourse. And today's reading is going to be focusing on verses 44 and or 44 through 46, excuse me, 44 through 46. And uh, let's remember where it is that we are in this passage or where we are in the book of Matthew, where Jesus has been preaching, doing miracles, having confrontations with religious leaders about his authority. Uh, he's been his authority. Jesus's authority has been challenged and uh, stood the test of their challenges um, and only uh, serves to uh, how should we say this? Um, further validate the strength and the position of Jesus' authority as the Son of Man, as, as a person who's called and sent by God to usher in the kingdom of heaven. How exciting, how wonderful, how awesome. And as we talked about on Sunday, uh, we realized that in Jesus, in his ministry, that uh, that he's proclaiming that, that the kingdom of heaven is coming, it's here, God is among us. That the response to Jesus's uh, call to jesus's ministry is profoundly mixed uh where some people uh they respond with a a, a tender heart uh meekness uh uh humility a soft heart that's eager to be to learn to be shaped to be molded to to, to indeed be a disciple of jesus christ uh to to follow jesus christ uh to repent from sinful and wicked ways and to follow Jesus. And then others who just, they don't get it. Uh, it it's, uh, they have a hard heart. They don't uh, respond to Jesus through repentance. Uh, they were much happier with the status quo, where if they have a choice between keeping things going as they are or living in a part of God's kingdom, they they would rather just keep things going. Uh, they are the proud sort uh, who who really do believe that, um, that they can get along without God, operating on their own wisdom and their understanding. It's this question, this lingering question to say, if the kingdom of heaven is really coming, uh, why does it look the way that it is? Why is it that some people respond and others don't? And uh, I'll tell you, as a pastor, as a teaching pastor, as a Christian— I think about this stuff very often. Uh, why it is that you can uh, bring the gospel, uh, uh, share it with somebody, and for some people, like it's like a light bulb comes on. Eureka! I found it! There it is! Oh my goodness, this is wonderful! This has changed my life! I love it! And then for other people, um, it just falls dead. Uh, and doesn't accomplish anything. Their lives go on, they're unaffected, and um, they're largely the same person they were than when you first shared the gospel with them. And in fact, they may have even gotten actually a little harder and a little worse. And this is very hard to, this is a very harsh and troubled reality when you're thinking like, God, is. are you really actually doing anything? Is the kingdom of heaven really coming or isn't it? Uh, God, how long is this going to take? Why is it that there are some people who respond, others who don't? why is it that we still live in a world where that is is profoundly mixed with people who um who walk in the light of the glory of God and others who um make a nuisance of of God's good world by corrupting it with uh their own rebellious actions like what's going on here how do you make sense of it all and uh where we have the parables or what Jesus is saying is wanting us to to understand particular things. Uh, It's not everything to know about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in Matthew's words, but it's wanting us to know something, something important, something to grasp about the nature of the kingdom of heaven so that you know that that this is deliberate on God's part in the way that it's coming and why it is that... That the results are so profoundly mixed. Uh, and I'll, I'll submit this last thing to you, and then we'll come to the to the parables themselves. And this is the way in which why it is actually uh, it's it's remarkable on, on on two deep levels why it is that this is the subject matter, and this is why Jesus arrives and teaching on all these parables right here, right now. Uh, and that's because uh when it comes to understanding a parable, there has to be some kind of willingness on the listener's part to want to hear. The listener has to pursue, the listener has to engage, the listener has to be um, attentive and aware and eager to what's happening um, in order for something to work. And what's what's so fascinating about that is that, that um, as it is true in other cases, that When you've pursued something and you've searched hard for it, in that once you find it, when you find that thing, it's so much more valuable to you because it was something that was at once lost out of your grasp, but but that once you found it, it's all the more precious to you. Uh, You can maybe think of it as the example of uh, the you know like um, an Easter egg hunt, where uh, you know mom gets up in the morning and uh you know uh puts uh you know candy in the easter eggs and hides them around and then you have to go hunt for them it's interesting to me that that uh, it's the same candy um in an easter egg and outside the easter egg but uh the fun or the delight in it is that um it's it's something that you've pursued and that once you found it it becomes more valuable to you it's uh, it reminds me also in a way uh uh Cy Rogers who had once uh said that uh, reflecting on the old uh, proverb that you'll you'll never have what it is that you're unwilling to pursue, and that pursuit is the proof of your desire, and that God wants to be desired, and that 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 the people that God wants to be a part of His kingdom are the people who want to be there. God doesn't force Himself on anybody, so that by the coming of the kingdom of God, it's not just simply God coming down and in by force, but that. Uh, that the, the people who are there are they're the people who are pursuing God because they've seen how it is that God is pursuing them uh, and uh and this is the invitation that uh that God brings that indeed he offers to us and that when we're sitting down to read these parables um it's like we're we're hearing those invitations afresh to say to 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 allow the light of God's word to illuminate our hearts, to to see what is it that we're actually really pursuing, what kind of hearts do we have uh, that indicate uh, whether or not whether or not our hearts are drawing nearer to God or f- drawing further away from Him. So that's a lot uh, about just parables, but let's uh, just sit down and read through uh, two complementary parables. In verses 44 through 46. And you might read this on the sub the the subtitle for this being The Parables of the Hidden Treasure and the Pearl. I love this parable because uh this is, is one that that plays on something that I think even us in modern days think about, and that is about the the, the prospect of finding hidden treasure. Uh secret, uh, Julie and I, uh, one of the things that we love to do is go thrift shopping um, and thrift store shopping because you never know what it is that you're going to find because it, the saying is true, one man's trash is another man's treasure and that when you're going to find certain things at thrift stores, You, you, you there's there's pursuit and surprise both in one to, to, to find things that uh, you just didn't know were there before. Uh, I can show you lots of my treasures that I found in thrift stores, but that's not why we're here right now. So, let's focus. Yes, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom of God, it is not a uh, uh, a treasure hidden in a field, but it is like a treasure hidden hidden in a field. So in what ways is it like a treasure hidden in a field? Where he says, when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. This, I think, thankfully, is a, is a powerful parable that is actually, I think, easy for most of us to grasp, that the kingdom of God is 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 indeed something that's hidden. But that when you discover it, when it's revealed to you, you realize that it's the most precious and valuable thing that you could have ever possibly found in that that in order to get the kingdom of god as it were even though it costs you everything you do so with joy because you know that that what it is that you found is worth everything that you have and uh when that reality becomes true in our lives does that not have a way of reorienting all of pri- our priorities to know that um that that there if there's truly nothing more than this then i can indeed with joy let go of all of these other things if by letting go of all of these things i have the one thing that's the most important and uh, for those who do uh, um Enter the kingdom of God. See the kingdom of God. Um, who, who, uh, in the words of Jesus in John chapter three, who are born again. Uh, that uh, this is a reality for their lives. That even though um, the the call upon Jesus, the call of Jesus upon our lives, costs us everything. We can lose everything and even lose it uh, with joy if that's what it takes for for us to find the most valuable precious thing in the entire world. So uh, let's, let's move on. And it says this again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Again, largely telling something about the same thing where by the time it is that he was searching and looking for something and found something that was not just valuable, but more valuable than anything else uh this was worth selling everything it is that he had so that he could have just this one pearl where um if if the kingdom of heaven is and uh, the message of the gospel is so important that it costs us everything that it 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 displays uh how how powerful how valuable uh how immeasurably important that the kingdom of God actually is and Uh, This is the sort of thing that you and I certainly need to hear in a world where uh, there are so many things that are competing for our affection, our devotions, um, our imaginations, our ambitions, that, uh, that have a way of swarming and distracting us from the things that are actually important. And... Truth be told, your life is too valuable to be lost to distractions and misplaced priorities. Uh, the life that God has given you is valuable and doesn't need, need not go to waste. And what God has to offer uh, is indeed worth our very lives. Uh, not simply because because by giving our lives, that we just get back more of the same. But that way we get back um, the life God himself has to offer. Indeed, everlasting life and fellowship with God. Uh, and uh, I can't think of anything better than that. Uh, and it's there for people who, who, who want it and who desire it. And so I pray that that's your desire. And I pray that you nurture that desire and feed it. Uh, in a way that uh, only increases your appetite for God and your appetite for heaven. Uh, because um, when um, when you find it, you realize it's going to be the most precious and valuable thing in the world to you. Um, and so that, uh, I think, is uh, is where we're going to leave off today. So thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. If you haven't, do click subscribe. And I'm really looking forward, hoping to see more of you Uh, when we meet together on Sundays, when we meet together on Wednesdays, because all of this is just so much better when we get to meet and to talk and to live and do life together. So God bless you. Take care. And I will see you next time.